Good afternoon and welcome to this episode of the Mary Trump Show Strategy Sessions. There are 77 days. That should send a chill up your spine. 77 days until the 2022 midterms. I'm here with some of my Nerd Avengers. More will be coming. And today we are extraordinarily lucky to have as our special guest, Washington Post columnist, author of Resistance, How Women Save Democracy from Donald Trump, the redoubtable Jennifer Rubin. I'm I'm trying to up my adjective game. It's very Jennifer, impressive. It very is impressive. great to have you here. Um, one of the reasons I... Hi, Brian. Uh, one of the reasons of many I wanted to have you with us today is because I think it's, it is really important to focus as you've been doing, uh, not only on the current crop of Republican <laughs> candidates who've made it to the general election, uh, much to the horror of any sane democracy loving human being, um, you know, the danger that can pretend, but also media framing, you know, which you've been all over, but I would be remiss if I did not start us off by discussing the the latest revelations um, in the ongoing espionage saga, or should I say alleged espionage? No, he committed espionage. I am staking my claim on that. I have no doubt in my mind. But, you know, we're finding out many things. Uh, first of all, that the top secret sensitive car- compartmented information documents, right? This most sensitive top secret documents in our country were basically kept at Mar-a-Lago like they were offerings at one of his early bird special buffets, right? Like anybody could come and go and look at them or move them around or put them in different boxes. We now know based on testimony of several witnesses, uh, this has apparently been corroborated, that Donald himself was going through these documents at the end of 2021. We have this uh, searing letter from the National Archives and this uh, the potential that Donald's lawyers lied to the FBI knowingly or he lied to them <laughs> and they then lied to the FBI. So we're going to get to all of that, uh, but I, I think it's important to, to start with this question. When the fuck are these people going to jail? I swear to God, I can't fucking stand it anymore. What else does he need to do? I, I mean, Gentile, what? Oh, I know we all want to. We all want to get it. We all want to get at this. <laughs> oh, let's start with Danielle because Jen is eating for some reason. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna give. I'm, gonna I'm give done Jen- chewing, but Danielle can go. Danielle's for- gonna go. For- <laughs> Give Jennifer some time. No, to, Jen, you know, Jen's going to go last now because she was chewing. Um, I, I, you know, it's Mary. It's the question that I, I think I go to bed asking myself, and I wake up asking myself every single day. I don't understand how much more evidence one person needs against them in order to have an indictment. And you know, I, I have to say that what is so offensive to me as a black queer person living in America is that. 
I can't go by a week without a headline of an unarmed person of color, black person, BIPOC person being brutalized by law enforcement, being killed by law enforcement. Um, you know, and funny enough, Glenn Kirshner, uh, uh, MSNBC legal analyst, said on, on the other day, he goes, well, you know, thank God. None of these people have ever stolen a backpack or been under suspicion of stealing a backpack or had loose cigarettes and were selling them on the street or, you know, maybe had the appearance of a counterfeit dollar because they'd all be dead. Well, right? actually, or I think we need to we need to add into that for their sakes in this context. Thank God they're not black. Yeah, thank God. They're, <laughs> great. It, Seriously. I mean, basically, what what the mantra, I think, is not make America great again. It's like, thank God I'm white. Right. Yeah. Like, thank God I'm white and I'm yeah. wealthy, because otherwise this this justice system that we're all waiting on, you know, and we love to say that they're dotting their eyes and crossing their T's. But at the same all of this is just fear. It is fear of white lash. It is fear of a rise in political violence. But we don't make the connection in saying who is the source of the political violence. Right. Who is stoking the flames of white resentment and racism and rage? And all this does all this goes to show me is that, you know, if Barack Obama had crossed the street at the wrong time on the wrong day, the Justice Department would have come down on him While in a way a that we would have and, and wearing a tan suit that we would have never seen. But yeah. God forbid we have an FBI and a Justice Department with a warrant that a federal judge says there is a layers of federal crimes here that have been committed. And this warrant and this search and seizure was warranted. Oh, then we got to defund. Kill a black person, however, we got to back that blue all the way. Yeah, Danielle, I'm really glad you raised that issue. I mean, first of all, this 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 entire topic is something that we need to dedicate at least an entire show to because um, I don't I think uh, privileged white people don't understand how pervasive and vitally important it is. And, um, you know, between police brutality against people of color to the absolutely horrific, quote unquote, justice system and uh our incarceral state i mean it is it is a living nightmare for so many people and yet a majority of americans don't even have to think about it um uh, but the what what i'd like to stick with right now is exactly what you said if you have black people people of color being completely and for no reason brutalized by police officers Exactly. Blue Lives Matter, right? Uh, with its not so subtle message <laughs> that other lives don't. But once their guy, lifelong yep. criminal, fake rich person and completely illegitimate human being, <laughs> Donald Trump, uh, finally gets some glimpse of accountability they want to defund the FBI, which, by the way, is largely responsible for the fact that Hillary Clinton lost in the first place. So, Jennifer, like, I, I feel once again, like so much is going on that it's extremely difficult to keep it clear and keep us focused. So can you, Jennifer Rubin, help us do that? Well, yeah. let me begin. Oh, let me begin by saying um, 
that I was talking to Val Demings about the very issue that Danielle raised um, and had really a fascinating chat with her on Friday, wrote it up for a piece on Monday. She, of course, is a former police chief of the Orlando Police Department. Um, And she said it. She said, whatever happened to Back the Blue? She said, is Back the Blue only when they're doing what you want? And she hit the nail on the head that it is not backing the blue. This is the instrumental use of violence, which is what right-wing fascists do. That whoever is carrying out their agenda through violence, through threat of violence, whether that's the police, whether that's a street gang, whether that is uh, people on social media raising the threat levels. So you have the FBI office being attacked. This is how they operate. Um, And they're not subtle about it anymore. They're not concealing what they're doing anymore. They are right out there. And I think we have to reckon. um, And for once, I think, Eric Garland was kind of right out there and right out front um, when he came out and he said, don't you threaten our guys. Um, We're going to do this. And in some respect, you know, it was kind of a poke in the eye um, that he went ahead with that raid, um, the execution of the warrant, rather, because they have been kicking up such a fuss and making such insinuation and such uh, sort of slander of them. He basically gave them a, a... F you and said, listen, I'm going to execute this warrant. I'm going to do my job. And what many of us, me included, has interpreted as kind of foot dragging, we're going to follow the facts where they are, now has an offensive sense to it. We are following the facts. We are going to prosecute this. And I think not only from the New York Times blockbuster, but from the um, kind of changing view of uh, the magistrate, Reinhardt, um, who initially said, well, no, maybe we can release some of this stuff. And then in his um, ruling on Monday, said, holy cow, look what's in this stuff. Um, and the combination of the holy cow, look what's in this stuff, meaning the people they have interviewed, the evidence they have, the sort of documents that are at issue, all of those things. You combine that with what the New York Times has come out with 300 documents and Trump going through them himself. You know, this is unusual for him. Usually Trump Trump has a stupid lawyer doing this for him so he can claim deniability. Or Jared. Um, or Jared, which is sort of the same. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I don't think Jared's a lawyer. Um, no. The bar has some standards after all. Um, you know, so I think this is culminating in a certain inevitability that we perhaps have not seen, what would be the excuse for not indicting him? And I understand, listen, they have three inch documents now. They're looking through them, I imagine. Um, They're following up on the same leads that the New York Times filed up on. But I think for the first time, I actually believe that within a relatively small period of time, maybe they'll wait till after the midterms, that we're actually gonna see an indictment simply because there's no way around it. What else do you do? This is willful. Donald Trump looked at the documents. He said, secret document? I'm keeping that one. Mine was his reaction. And I don't see how Merrick Garland stays true to his pledge if he lets this guy walk. So I don't think they need to wait for 
everything in the world to be investigated. They don't need to wait for January 6th uh, investigations to follow. This is discreet. For a while, I thought, well, maybe the two are related in some fashion. They're really not. Go ahead, indict, put them in front of a jury, and let's go. And I think for the first time, that's where we're headed. I agree with you, Jennifer, that it, it is unavoid, unavoid, not just unavoidable. That's the, that's the wrong word. It's necessary. Um, we've gone far too long without holding powerful white men accountable, which is one of the reasons we're here. Um, but it also, you know, we also need to acknowledge that one of the reasons the urgency has increased is because out of deference for the office, this has taken far too long. It has allowed uh, the opposition to kind of get its ducks in a row and have this united front of, you know, defund the FBI. Donald, of course, could never have done anything wrong. It's, it's a deep state ploy, what have you. And, you know, we need to prove once and for all that if you are the person who has disgraced the office more than anybody in history, you do not, should not benefit from the respect other people have for the office. Uh, you know, because again, it, it just becomes um, another instance in which we're just, you know, creating a roadmap for people in the future to trample all over everything, seize power, that they that is illegitimate and continue to game the system. Uh, Jen, I hope you enjoyed lunch. No, I'm, I actually admire the fact that you do not let anything knock you off your schedule. Uh, so you had something you wanted to say about benefit of the doubt versus reasonable doubt, and I think that's really I'm I'm very interested to hear. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, taking in what Danielle and Jennifer said, and thinking about. What you first said, Mary, was like, enough already. Like, how long do we have to wait? How many decades of bad behavior, malfeasance? And it's something that you see not just with Donald, but with anyone who is white, wealthy, and well-connected, usually male, which is, you know, what the, that they have actually, because they're given the benefit of the doubt, the beyond a reasonable doubt standard for them is much higher in reality, because what I think that the, the fear we see is, is the knowledge that no matter what, not no matter what, but you could come in with, you know, a truckload of evidence and it might not be enough to convince a jury because juries are human. Juries are living embedded in the you know structural racism and the inverse of that embedded in everyone is kind of this idea that there's a certain kind of benefit of the doubt we give certain people come up with excuses for them they didn't really mean it and you see this again and again and again and i have fallen prey to this like who do we give the benefit of the doubt to when some young kid you know, um, is engaged in something, you know, some, you know, roughing stuff up or doing something bad. Well, what is, what do we see? Do we have empathy or do we say, throw the, throw the book at them? And it's, it's exactly, you know, it's, it's embedded. So the reason, so it's very unfair, right? It's, there's plenty of evidence right now 
to indict Donald Trump. And I can give you specifically what that would be, but there's plenty of evidence. You know, it's we know that the evidence was enough to convince a federal court judge that there was um, beyond a reasonable doubt, which is higher than probable cause. So I believe there's already probable cause to indict. There's obviously for for a jury, you know, a reasonable jury that isn't steeped in a certain kind of white male privilege would easily convict. But I really, you know, wish someone could be more honest and just say, hey, you know how when one woman says a man rapes, rapes her, people don't consider that evidence. You know how it's three, four, five, six, you need 20, okay? You need 20. Yeah, that's still you're, not you're enough in America. But yeah. looking the wrong way, a young black male guy, he can get lynched. That's a society we live in. And so Merrick Garland is up against that, or maybe he's not. Maybe we should just test it out. If it were me, he'd be indicted now. But it won't. he won't be. I don't think it would probably be. You know, I, I used to think Fulton County would go first. Yeah. But I'm now thinking maybe Merrick Garland, because of this warrant stuff, is going to ask if he can go first. And then it would be after the midterms. Anyway, that's what I have to say. Yeah, Adolia. Other than um, agreeing with me that uh, that was, you know, uh, Jen just said a lot of very smart things. Um, can you uh, build on that? Uh, because I think one uh, one of the things Jen points to that that is uh, <laughs> that we have to keep in mind. Well, two things, actually. One is. You go for the king, you best not miss. We've been hearing that for a long time. Yes, that's true. But when there is so much evidence, you don't really have to worry about the missing part anymore. And on the other hand, because, uh, as Jennifer said earlier, the the kinds of documents we're talking about, the potential crimes that we're talking about, National security crimes. We're talking about espionage. We're talking about somebody who was in the Oval Office putting everybody in this country in danger. Uh, shouldn't shouldn't that kind of, I don't know, uh, put the foot down on the accelerator a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes to your point that you started with, Mary. First of all, it's nice to see everyone. Everyone's looking very good today. Um you know, the media framing question, because I, I think we're a little bit stuck in the like hapless Peter Sellers movie about Donald Trump. And I think that, you know, he's still I mean, just to to Jen's really smart point about, you know, low expectations. I think that he still just gets away with so much crap because he can say, oh, I didn't know it was in the boxes. You know, the boxes were in my like makeup drawer next to my bed. You know, yeah, I looked at what was in them, but yeah, my lawyer. I mean, I think we just have such, as, as Jen would say, a high benefit of the doubt because he's kind of cast himself as this stumbling fool. And I think, you know, just to go to Danielle's point, I think it's clear that he has really pushed out the narrative over six years that the law is for people of color. And, you know, Jen's narrative, which is that the law is for suckers, people who have lawyers are not touched by the law, right? Jen wrote a whole book about it. And so I think he's benefiting from all these stories that we, in some sense, perpetuate. And so bombshells like, you know, the Rosenbergs, 
died for this. Don't penetrate that. And so I think one of the things we should be working really hard on, and I'm not good at media, you know, strategizing, but I do think, and I, I feel like I said this a couple of weeks ago after the Mar-a-Lago raid, this is a through line that we ignore. And it's the through line that the Mueller report starts as a counterterrorism report. You know, the first Trump impeachment is about massive national security vulnerability, right? That's what every expert testified to. It's not that he was greedy. It's that he was making the country vulnerable. The Mar-a-Lago raid is the same. It is of a piece. And just this was your question, Mary. I, I guess I'm just reframing it. But if we can't drag the narrative from, ha look at this guy criming, to holy hell, like, you know, reality winner <laughs> versus Trump. And what's the, why does he skate? And maybe the last thing I would say, and this is probably implicit in your question too, but, you know, we sat around while he went after election results. We sat around while he like destabilized democracy. And we're going to sit around while he destabilizes the FBI. These institutions don't repair themselves. And so if we're not working really, really hard as he kind of like slashes and burns the cornerstones of de democratic institutions, then that damage doesn't get repaired. Yeah, I, I, a couple of things, um, because I want to hear what uh, Brian's been hearing out of the DOJ. But first of all, uh, Donald Trump hasn't deserved the benefit of the doubt since 1973. And I would argue even before that, but that's personal. <laughs> uh, just from a criminal standpoint, you know, the, the fact that he and my <laughs> grandfather um, were racist, just racist landlords who discriminated against people of color in the most egregious ways that even the Nixon DOJ went after them. Um, you Don't know, forget the KKK. Uh, yep, the little KKK. I mean, it, you know, the list is so long that uh, we would be here all day. That's a Ramon song, isn't it? But, uh, probably. Um, yeah. So um, there's that. And then there is, as you say, Dahlia, the fact that there's a lot of sitting around here. I mean, I don't think from us, but, you know, what we don't have power to do anything. But that does leave the vacuum. It leaves uh, the vacuum uh, for the media to frame this in ways that are really not helpful and, and are ultimately in some cases detrimental because as we've learned, the media hates it, hates a vacuum. You know, they need to normalize everything. Um, and then of course it leaves the vacuum for the Republican party, uh, which is again, why it is so incredibly important that we don't just talk about this as if, you know, Donald's in isolation. This is the whole fucking party that we need to go after. Otherwise, this doesn't end here. Science tells us that the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. Temperature-controlled sleep repairs muscles after a hard day's work, and it improves cognitive function so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Chili Sleep makes customizable, climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube sleep systems, 
which are hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. There's nothing more important than getting a decent night's sleep to prepare you for the day ahead. And when you're overheated, it's impossible to, to get a good night's sleep. And Chili Sleep has come up with such an amazing solution for that problem. Uh, once you use it, you won't understand how you live without it, especially in the summer months, but even in the winter when we've got our heat blasting and the air is drying out. Chili Sleep will help you get to sleep, stay asleep, and wake up feeling amazing. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chili Sleep can help make that happen. For an extra layer of comfort, they also make the Chili Blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Head over to chilisleep.com slash Mary to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new Cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for the Mary Trump Show listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com slash Mary to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. You can also find the link in the show notes. Anyway, Brian, what have you been hearing? Well, Donald Trump will be indicted. Donald Trump will face... Um, <clears throat> whether sooner or later we'll face the wonderful, uh, wonderful federal court and have to appear there. And what happens after that, I don't know. But I do know that the DOJ's biggest, uh, Daniel and others have spoken about uh, white backlash. Uh, it's not, that's not the fear in the DOJ. Uh, Mary, what you spoke about earlier about uh, aiming for the king and not missing is probably more accurate. What they're afraid of is that if they don't, uh, indict if they don't make a case if they have a problem making a case that what will happen afterwards will be empowering of white power and not being able to to uh, to question it afterwards so they want to make sure that when they get him that they've got him you know most most federal cases never go to court why because they wrap it up and they strike a plea deal because they've got the the, the case so wrapped up that no one wants to risk going to court. I think that's what will probably happen with Donald Trump. We may never see him in Otisville. We'll probably see him in, you know, leg irons or, or a, you know, a, a nice little uh, electronic monitoring vice at Mar-a-Lago. But it's going to the reason why we haven't seen an indictment yet is the cautious nature of the DOJ to make sure because they're shooting for the king that they get him. And when they get him, they want him not to squirm, and they don't want to see the kind of backlash that will enable in the future. They're not only looking at this case, but they're looking at any cases going forward with people of power in the federal government. This is the first one, the largest one ever made against a president. And it's got to be able to be – it's got to be a concrete bed on which all future prosecutions are made. So they've got quite a bit of, of – uh, I, I'm a huge amount of responsibility going forward. Now, 
whether or not we, you know, I personally would like to have seen him, you know, arrested and dragged away in, in leg irons, you know, like a long time ago. Um, n- not as far back as you, Mary, but, <laughs> but, you know, uh, that's, that's true. I, I only ran across him in an intimate, not, not that intimate, but I only <laughs> ran across him in, a, in that kind of nature five or six years ago. So it's, it, it's been, um, you know, those of us have covered him, have, have long wondered when he would go down and, I think that this particular uh, case of espionage will drag him under. And I don't think Merrick Garland cares one iota, whether it's before, after, or during the midterm elections. I think it matters when he gets his ducks all in a row, being as meticulous as he is. But the one thing I was told by the DOJ this week that I found very, very encouraging was uh, we have a pool. You, when do you want the, the over under on two months or three months? I mean, <laughs> there there are people inside the DOJ betting when they'll go down. So that just tells you the guy ain't, ain't long for this world. At least uh, you know without wearing wrist wrists uh, wristbands and ankle bracelets. Yeah, and you know, while I've been checking out what everybody's been writing and and uh, in the chat, and it. It is absolutely true, and this is one of the things that makes the Republicans' attacks against the FBI so, not just absurd, but cynical, uh, is that it is a inc- an incredibly conservative, uh, white Christian organization. It may be the most conservative um, body in the United States government uh, at this point, and um, we are... Which which makes the whole, um, you know, going for the king if he's a rich white guy, <laughs> you know, you're going to need you're going to need it need to have it so nailed down. I, and also, let's face it, uh, he was in the Oval Office uh, for four years, which is still gives me nightmares. But, you know, that is that is not simple, no matter how guilty he may be. Um, but was you know, I'm I'm sort of at this point where, you know, I don't really give a shit what uh, people who support Donald have to say, or I don't I don't care about upsetting them. I don't care about their threats of violence. And I think if we do anything to appease them, like for example, pardon Donald in exchange for his agreeing not to run again. I, I mean, you know, I I think part of it they just want. They just want to keep making our heads explode. But I just I just don't care. Just do your jobs and get it done. Yeah, raise your hand if you're listening, if you're sick and tired of always being terrorized by a bad faith extremist minority that throws a temper tantrum and then the majority has to kneel to right. placate white rage and yeah, I mean, endless I, fake victimhood. I just want to say really quickly that that's a quote out of Dolly's latest piece. You know, we don't negotiate with toddlers or terrorists and with Don in Donald and the Republican Party. We have both. Well, I mean, it's a great piece. I think people should read it. It's uh, Dolly Roden Slate, but it's it's a sentiment that I've echoed and others have as well. The analogy I'd give is as a father of three, if you're if your child is banging the table and then threatens to blow up the table, you don't say, "Okay, okay, uh, I'll let you blow up the table so you don't blow up the room. No. You, you, you enforce some rules, you have some accountability, there is some punishment, and the child learns, oh, okay, I can engage in this type of behavior. There are consequences. The way mainstream American society and all of its institutions treats Republicans and bad faith conservatives is that once they work the refs, right, and we've talked about working the refs, it's a term that is often used in the media where Republicans always complain about bias, 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 
And then media institutions bend over backwards to placate these bad faith actors, give them columns, you know, give them, uh, you know, lucrative jobs in Facebook and CNN. And then lo and behold, they come in and do what? The same type of bad activity, right? It corrupts the entire system from within. It's like allowing the rats inside to destroy your ship. Um, but I say enough, you know, when you, when you tell me that, oh, this is going to make Trump's uh, MAGA base angry, I say, who cares? Let them be angry. You ever see the movie Avengers? At the end of the Avengers, Captain America turns to Bruce Banner and he says, hey, it's time to get angry and become Hulk. And then um, Mark Ruffalo's character, who at Bruce Banner, turns around and says, the secret is I'm always angry. They're always angry. They're always going to be angry. They will not stop being angry until they're at the top and we're at the bottom. So I'm with you, Mary. I think enough's enough. Stop placating and, and bending the knee to this minority white rage that is so self-destructive. I say the message that we should have, and I think the message that will be successful for Democrats is no one is above the law. And there's something fundamentally American about that statement, no one is above the law. As a child of immigrants, I could tell you that, you know, many people who've come to America, they have this belief in the American dream that, ah, in America, anyone can make it. And in America, the same type of corrupt system and nepotism that exists in my country, well, that's not the case in America, even though it is Reed Jen's book. But still, <laughs> there's, that me- yeah, there's that message. No one is above the law, not even the elites, not even the president. And I'm glad we had this conversation at the beginning about how rich white folks get away with everything. Because the, the comment that I had yesterday, and we had a huge bunch of news drop in the last, I don't know, 15 hours, right? In addition to the fact that it's over 300 documents that he took, that this is going back to January, right, that he got warned. We also found out that Sidney Powell, Kraken, right, the right-wing uh, extremists who tried to steal the election, they shared sensitive voter data with election uh, deniers. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how are these people still attorneys and how come no one's right. in jail? Right. So Trump gets to crime. He gets away with it. But I do think there's a movement here in America, I don't care if you're Republican or, or conservative or Democrat, that is against some the elites and the corruption of the elites, right? And so the GOP, let, I'll just finish, the GOP has used it to trigger their base for years, right? That they're taking away your freedom, they're taking away your rights, they're the powerful. Use that same message and you can galvanize American as no one's above the law. And the final thing I'll say is uh, the latest poll came out that said that defense of democracy or, or you know, the protection of democracy is the number one interest of voters above the economy, right? And if you saw the last poll that came out two weeks ago from Mon- Monmouth poll, it said abortion and protection of abortion is the number two most important right. So yep. these are kitchen table issues, Mary. Democracy, yep. accountability, abortion, kitchen table issues that uh, I think Democrats need to flex on. And I, the last thing I'll say is for the nerd, exquisite nerd analogy that Dahlia made to uh, being there, a movie by Hal Ashby. And in our private chat, we've been talking about Hal Ashby movies. Chauncey Gardner, played by Peter Sellers. The reason why I reject the comparison to Donald Trump, he's a kind, decent simpleton. He yep. farts his way into the White House, literally floats on water. Uh, and he was a good gardener. Donald Trump is not a good gardener. Very Donald serious Trump gardener. Yeah, Donald Trump has deliberately crimed his entire life and has been intentionally malicious and cruel and criminal. And somehow he has been rewarded due to whiteness, wealth, celebrity, and now being the MAGA president. So that's the only thing that I'll say is why I want to defend Chauncey Gardner. Thank you for right. coming to my rant. And uh, enabling, 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 enabling. Let's not forget that. Um, so 
First of all, I, I see what you did there while you're burnishing your nerd credentials. I understand. But with, that's a that's a subject for another time. By the way, we need to define the terms. OK, you know, they're all different kinds of nerds. We need to figure out what kind we're talking about. Uh, there's that. Secondly, um, putting a Donald in uh, what do they call those things? The anklet thing. I don't know what it's called. Uh, and, and installing him in Mar-a-Lago. That is not enough. One, because I want to turn Mar-a-Lago into a homeless shelter. And two, this changes his life not at all. Right. I, I was listening to uh, Josh Marshall's Talking Points Memo podcast, and he said, you know, it just occurred to me, who else would sell tickets for people or memberships for people to like come to their house it's just he lives at a golf course and and if he if that were to happen literally his life wouldn't change one bit he'd be surrounded by the same people telling him he's great and he'd have the same you know buffet every day so that's not enough uh that's just my that's just my personal feeling on the matter but uh norm we are you know obviously as we've been saying this this is not more serious than we could have imagined because I think we've all been imagining this kind of thing for six years. None of us here would ever have said, oh, no, that's not possible. Donald would never do that. Of course he would. Of course he would. Um, what I think we need to figure out is is how do we get the American people to understand um, the depths of what's going on uh, the fact that Donald certainly couldn't be doing this alone um, and that this is, I, I believe, this is, is directly connected or at least indirectly connected to um, the sedition on January 6th and all of the Republicans who are active seditionists still helping to run our government and we need to understand that this is a package deal. This is not, oh, Donald was the problem. He's been indicted. We're fine now because we're not. Did you know only 45% of high school students feel that they're prepared for college or careers? And today's sponsor, Stride Career Prep, is helping change that. Stride Career Prep lets students take charge of their education and their future by combining real-world skills training and traditional academics. Students can earn college credit while in high school or get the training needed to land a job right after graduation. There is nothing more important for our children than for them to get a solid educational foundation. And Stride Career Prep really does help them whether they want to go on to college or go directly into the job market. Stride Career Prep prepares your teen for in-demand careers in business, tech, health, science, criminal justice, and more. Students can take courses developed by industry professionals, prepare for certifications, get hands-on experience, network, and most importantly, gain the confidence to succeed. Stride Career Prep is backed by over 20 years of experience in online learning. Take charge today at k12.com slash podcast. That's k12.com slash podcast, or look for the link in our show notes.
So a, a whole bunch of points. One on that last one, Mary, there's a lot of surveillance footage that shows a lot of people moving these boxes around. Um, there are going to be hugely sensitive documents there. There are going to be a lot of people. This gets back to the Justice Department uh, and the way it handles organized crime investigations, going for the lower ones, squeezing them until they turn on the others. You're going to get some people who've been working at Mar-a-Lago who are going to face jail terms themselves for handling uh, classified information, and they're going to turn on Donald. That's one thing. The second thing is getting to what Brian was saying. Having these documents is only the beginning. They are going to trace this to truly nefarious acts. My guess is that Jared and MBS and the $2 billion plus the loan that the Kushner family got to bail out the aptly uh, numbered 666 uh, building, um, plus Russia, plus probably blackmailing or attempting to blackmail Macron and many others, we're going to find out stuff. And if we're going to get to the American people, it's going to be that this guy was a traitor and a treasonous actor to America across many, many places. Um, a second point, on the FBI, and this is a broader point about the challenge we face from the right. So much of it is projection. It's attacking elections when it's phony stuff. So that when we have to go after an election that really was stolen, it's going to make it that much harder. And uh, get to the media and that uh, the false equivalence in, in a, a second. But we know that the FBI has really bad problems. First of all, we know that uh, Christopher Ray kowtowed to Trump when it came to the Kavanaugh uh, hearings. The idea that they set up a hotline because uh, Jeff Flake and Chris Coons are trying to find a way to get at this without having it just go through the Judiciary Committee. They get 30,000 people calling in. But we know that Max Steyer, who is a man of impeccable character, the head of the Partnership for Public Service, who witnessed some of Kavanaugh's uh, horrible actions back at Yale, um, that they wouldn't even let him give his information is horrible. We know that Rudy Giuliani was in bed with the New York FBI holding on to uh, the laptop um, of Anthony Weiner until it could be used against Hillary Clinton during the uh, 2016 campaign, and that made a big difference there, and that Jim Comey went along with it, probably himself being, in effect, blackmailed by the New York FBI. There are bad actors in the FBI. So the right goes after the FBI because they're doing their job, and it makes it much harder for us to be able to clean house. And of course, all of this is a gift to Christopher Wray because there's no way that Biden can fire Christopher Wray right now when the FBI is under siege. Third point, and it's not Festivus, but I want to have a list of grievances here. Um, Needs of strength. Yeah, the mainstream media that are treating this laughable filing by Trump's laughable lawyers as a real thing um, and because they want to normalize abnormal behavior. And that's true of the Post and the Times. The idea that the New York Times would publish another op-ed by the execrable Rich Lowry, who has his own place to go at National Review, and he lies about the Russia investigation, flat out lies on the pages of the New York Times, 
and there is no correction, nothing that reigns it in. You know, an op-ed page, at least, when somebody submits a piece that lies, comes back and the editors say, no, you can't say that. They didn't do a thing. This is journalistic malpractice in a big way, and it's been going on, of course, for years. But now the stakes are so high that it's just really dangerous. Now, another grievance, which has been my hobby horse for a long time, the goddamn bar associations. Right. We have lawyers who went to, you know, as, as we were saying earlier, sensitive voter information, giving it to vote deniers and liars and others, and nothing has been done. Bill Barr, who we now know manipulated the Justice Department and the Mueller investigation even worse than we thought. The D.C. Barr, nothing. Rudy Giuliani, suspended, doesn't have his law license taken away. All of these Trump lawyers. Christina Bob lied on that form. She could say, well, it was to the best of my knowledge. My guess is we're going to have surveillance footage that shows her in the room with a lot of these documents. And will the bar associations do anything? If you steal money from a client, oh boy, those bar associations come down on you hard because it affects their bottom line. Treason? Eh, what's the big deal? And we've got to go after them because if you don't have a, a legal profession policing itself, then think of what other lawyers are going to do down the road. How does Sidney Powell still have a license to practice law? What is wrong with these institutions? Okay, here, here. My little Festivus uh, uh, rant for now. Well, Norm, I love you. <laughs> yeah, Norm, that, that was um, both wonderful and infuriating. Yeah. Because, you know, it's all true. And this is the context in which we're operating. And because, you know, we, we've been hearing for a while, we were talking about this, Dolly and I were talking about this earlier, you know, we're being told that the system held, the system held, even if it's just one person, you know, holding, holding on by her fingernails, the system held. Guess what, guys? The system isn't holding. If the system were holding, we wouldn't be here. And especially at the levels of state legislature, you know, there are states being turned into closed fascist states as we speak. Yeah. Looking at you, DeSantis in Florida. I mean, seriously, the, you know, and, and Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi. And exactly. And on and on and on. And you know what? Um Alabama is not going to do what Kansas did. <laughs> They're just no. not going to do that. So let's let's not pretend. So the reason I, I mentioned that is because it makes it all the more incumbent upon Democrats to hold the line and not continue to play by rules that don't exist anymore. And Jennifer, you just, you know, you just pointed out that. We can't even get rid of the IG at the Department of Homeland Security who, you know, and I guess the Democrats would say it's because, well, you know, they're independent. We don't want to screw up that he was appointed by Donald because he's not independent. So that is that is just one example, Jennifer. And I mean, it doesn't it doesn't that kind of example make it even more um necessary, like vitally important that the Democrats start playing hardball. Uh, you're 
you think I'd figure that out after <laughs> two years of COVID, but no. Um, listen, this is the endemic problem that the Democrats are playing by super, super careful, you know, exquisite rules that don't even use the power that is allocated to them. The president does have the power to fire an IG, especially for cause. Biden made this ridiculous promise during the campaign that he would never do it. It was completely unjustified. He should say, I didn't understand how corrupt these people really are and get rid of them. Do we have any doubt that a good IG would have been not been fired by Trump? Um, certainly, when Republicans have a corrupt one, they should be able to get rid of them at the bare minimum. Um, so I think that they are up against um, not only this media kind of ridiculous environment, but their own hesitancy, their own sense of um, inner caution that is above and beyond being careful. I understand Merrick Garland was a judge for most of his career. I understand the natural caution. But at some point, you have to do your job. His job, the oath he took is as a prosecutor, not as a judge, as a prosecutor. Um, and when there exists um, probable cause for a um search warrant. And when there exists um, evidence that he thinks is beyond a reasonable doubt, he has an obligation to bring that case. Um, and there is no, but is it good for the country kind of criteria? No, that's not in his job description. When you look to the DOJ prosecutorial guide, there are a whole bunch of factors. The good of the country is not in there. Um, the closest you come is a federal interest. And if we don't have a federal interest in maintaining national security secrets, I, I really don't know what is. And I think what is um, fascinating here is that lurking in the back of the prosecutor's mind, I am certain, is this fear that they have to have so much evidence because they'll have some juror who is very biased towards Donald Trump. And what they're really saying is we're afraid of jury nullification. Yeah. We're afraid that there's some people who are going to lie their way onto a jury and are going to vote to acquit no matter what. Then we don't have a justice system. If that's the rules we play with, that corrupt people can find people willing to disregard the law, we don't have a jury system anymore. We don't have a judicial system. So listen. If there are people out there like that, it doesn't matter how much evidence Merrick Carlin has. They'll figure out some reason to right. um, nullify anyway. So let's come up with the best case on the simplest set of facts, because juries um, need a simple beginning and middle end. They're all kind of corrupted by law and order and one wrapped up in a half hour. So give them a discrete set of facts with damning evidence, with eyewitness testimony, and try it. And yeah. I forget who mentioned it, um, the uh, notion about going before um, Fonnie Willis in uh, Georgia. She has a very strong case. But if I'm Merrick Garland, I do not want a modestly funded state district attorney having the first shot at Donald Trump. Because if she blows it, if she gets outplayed, if she doesn't have the proper resources, and believe me, he's going to race up and down, he's going to seek to remove under the criminal removal statutes, he's going to pull every trick in the butt. If she blows it, that, not technically, but really politically, realistically, makes it 
almost impossible for him to get prosecuted again. Um, and you want to make that first case solid and you want the Justice Department to go first. The notion that they should kind of tiptoe away from this and let this little Fulton County prosecutor who for thank goodness, has the nerve to call a grand jury and drag people in um, to testify. Good for her. But that can't be the only one. And I would also say there is a terrible, terrible principle that is being established here. And that is if important political people don't want to testify, they just don't. What is Mike Pence's excuse for not testifying? He doesn't have one. What is Lindsey Graham's excuse for not testifying. He doesn't have one. This was not part of his- They don't want to go to jail. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's the reason. (laughs) The notion that you just get a subpoena and you kind of take it as a suggestion or an invitation to a wedding and you, you know, you don't RSVP or you, um, you know, uh, are afraid you can't attend is nonsense. And that is- becoming a huge endemic problem that these people simply choose not to cooperate, choose not to testify. Where does that come from? Why are we allowing that? Merrick Garland, if he does nothing else, needs to hold those people in front of a grand jury. And that includes Mike Pence. Because yep. what the hell is his excuse? There is no vice presidential you know, privilege. Of not yeah. uh, and it's these types of self-imposed restrictions. They are making it incredibly difficult down the road to hold people accountable. And one of this is this disinclination, this arrogance about testifying. Now, a couple of us have asked about what's going on with Mark Meadows. He may have good reason for not pursuing Mark Meadows for contempt, namely that he may be a target in the larger investigation. But Dan Scavino, why wasn't he prosecuted for contempt? And all these other people. And who lets Pat Cipollone like make up Swiss cheese privilege rules? I'll answer that question, but not that question. I'll answer what I said, but not he said. Where do these rules come from? It's nonsense. These are not legal principles. And yet they get away with it. So I would like to see the justice system enforce the justice system to use its powers correctly, to stand up for its own institutions, its own subpoena power. Um, Otherwise, we're caught. We're not only cooked with these people, but going forward, what other powerful person is ever going to submit to a subpoena? If Mike Pence doesn't need to, if Mark Meadows doesn't, if Dan Scavino doesn't, um, and we got to put an end to it. Otherwise, there's going to be no end to it. Um, We've been living with this for so long that I, you know, to hear it all like sort of laid out. And and obviously there are things that we, we, Jennifer, you you couldn't cover because there's so many instances of this, but my, my, my blood pressure is very high right now because uh, it is just so blatantly obvious that the system is not holding. And Danielle, I think it started Um, I mean, if we're just looking at, you know, Donald in the context of his administration, it started with the Miller uh, report when he just dragged his feet. I mean, he's been doing this forever, but, you know, to see it done and aided and abetted by an entire political party and by, you know, uh, people who were supposed to represent the uh, administration, not the man, people who are supposed to be upholding the Constitution, not one man's political uh, viability. Um, you know, it is it is an extraordinary, not just a, not just a, a slap in the face 
uh, to people who um, get either convicted of crimes they didn't commit, <laughs> spend years in jail for the the most uh, insignificant, you know, uh, crimes, possession of marijuana, for God's sakes, or uh, get treated with violence and abuse at the hands of uh, law enforcement, um, it's it's very difficult to have much faith um, because, again, it's not one instance. And it isn't just Donald. Why is Lindsey Graham doing this? Why is Mike Pence doing this? Because they know they can. Yeah, right? I just I mean, I, I just think that the reality is we have a justice system and a, basically a democracy that has gaslit people of color. Right. Mm -hmm. And 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 white Americans as well. And what do I mean by that? I mean, the fact that we can all sit here and have very real conversations about why the Lindsey Graham's and the Mike Pence's and the Donald Trump's of the world continue to act the way that they do because society accepts it and the media celebrates it. Right. Like, why do we have these people that were able to leave a lying ass criminal ass administration? And then, as Wash said, turn around and go to CNN and go to The New York Times and go to these outlets, go to The View, go to these other places and be able to mainstream their bullshit. You know, I find it so disgusting and egregious for us to still say, like, oh, justice matters when we know that it doesn't. Right. Like when we know that we if we if we actually had an education system that where we taught people the truth about the foundation of our law enforcement. Right. With a conversation that I have to have all the time, which what was it built for? It was built to hold white men's property. Right. And basically have a system that would allow them to avenge others that tried to cross them. It was a slave patrol that was then made sure to keep black people, enslaved people, in their positions of powerlessness. And so why do these white rich men act the way that they do? Because America was built on rich white men being able to act however the hell they want. Right. And then we have a media that is completely complicit in their behavior. Right. Because we don't call out Donald Trump. No, we had all cameras on a tarmac in 2016 just waiting for him to descend because wealth, power, whiteness and celebrity rule the day. And because we don't have. And because we don't have conversations about this, because we are not real about it, we like to believe that all people are the fucking same. And they're not. They're not treated the same. The legal system does not view them the same. Jennifer goes back to talking about, you know, the benefit of the doubt and how the bar is so high. You know, all I keep thinking about when I when I saw uh, Alan Weisselberg's hundred day sentence for 15 years of friggin' criming, 15 felony indictments. Do you know who I think about? I think about Khalif Browder, who was picked up when he was 16 years old under the suspicion in New York City of stealing a backpack and spent three years in Rikers. And when he was released after not having a trial, after not having any conviction whatsoever, he killed himself. Right. He killed himself because of the trauma that he faced over the three years, spending majority of which in solitary confinement. That's what how we treat black people in America. That's how we treat black boys and black girls in America. But Alan Weisselberg gets to crime, make tens of millions of dollars and spend 100 days in fucking jail, which he probably won't serve out. So what does what messages are we continuing to send by not going after Donald Trump, by continuing to tell ourselves that Merrick Garland needs to have everything in a row? Because we know good goddamn well, like I said earlier, if it had been Barack Obama, we know exactly where Barack Obama would be 
post the, the hours after the insurrection had happened under his own watch. We know where he would have been. So we need to just be real about the country that we're asking to uphold accountability and responsibility that was built on lies and racism. Yeah. And and that is that is be they're they're making even greater efforts to um make it impossible for uh particularly white people to understand any of that. You know, we refuse to teach our white children American history. Uh we only worry about their feelings. We don't give a shit about the feelings of black children or children of color who um or you know children of uh LGBTQ parents or LGBTQ we don't you know we we only protect the feelings of uh, white children. And then, you know, that leads, that just perpetuates the ignorance. It perpetuates the sense of entitlement. It it perpetuates the white privilege. And there is no greater example of that than everything that has gone down since 1973 with the Trump family. And, you know, Weisselberg has, I think he joined Trump management in 1973. He worked for my grandfather before that. And, uh, you know, I, this is my theory. I think he went with Donald to Manhattan because Donald didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And Weisselberg did, (laughs) you know, he knew where the bodies were buried. He knew where to bury them. Hmm. Uh, So anyway, that's that's slightly, that part's uh, kind of narrow, but everything that's going on now is, uh, is absolutely part and parcel, Danielle, of what you're laying out here. And that's why one of the many reasons, but one of the main reasons this has to happen. We need accountability so badly because if we don't get it, there forget it, just leave aside Donald for a second, leave aside Republicans for a second. There will be no reforming any of this shit anymore. And that that is just too terrifying to contemplate. So everybody vote for Democrats in November. Uh, Brian, you want to say something? Yeah, I, uh, three quick points. First of all, I'm starting a new news service called the, <clears throat> the New Standard. Looking for $20 million, we will hold everyone accountable and screw the New York Times and screw the Washington (laughs) Post and screw CNN. And I will never have people that have been tossed off and out of a, of an administration on my air because I believe in news. We, (laughs) the big point is for that, the justice department, all of it, this is, this did not happen overnight. Something that you said earlier, Mary, this has been going, you know, about, you know, we, we woke up and here it is. This is, this, this started with Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon. You go back and it was the dismantling of the fourth estate. It's, uh, you know, it was supply side economics. It's placing the dollar as more important than anything else that tore this country apart, removed the, the guide rails for good journalism that would enable us to hold people accountable. Um, something that Norm said, uh, the second point, uh, you know, I, I so agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, Norm, because it's what I've experienced, and and the simple fact of the of the matter is, unless um, we get bar associations involved in the fight and going after uh, lawyers for things that that matter, 
then I, I don't understand the point of even having a local bar association. I've seen this so many times in local news. And when, when uh, uh, members of the bar are not held accountable for the things that they do, that's one of the reasons why you need local news and you need you know, your community newspapers because they hold these community people accountable. Um, I don't think Fulton County should go first. That was a point that was made earlier, but I do think it's important to notice that, that or note that Fulton County is working, and I know this for a fact, that that investigation is uh, working with the federal government and the DOJ. But it, it shouldn't be the uh, Fulton County that, that goes first. It has to be. It has to be Merrick Garland. It can't be any other way, and it's going to be for the espionage. And finally, I'm probably going to anger everybody with this one, but I look, it's not a black or white issue. White people happen to be in power and have been forever. This is rich versus poor, powerful versus non-powerful. And you've got to level the playing field so that it is equal justice for everyone. And unless we do, then... Martin Luther King said, you know, that you cannot adapt or adopt the process and the actions of the oppressor when you when you get justice or you're just as bad as the oppressor. I want to see, uh, you know, and I'm just an old Arab horse trader here, so I'm not, I don't I don't know that. But, I, you know, I do know that if you're going to hold people accountable, everyone has to be held accountable and white people have gotten away with it for far too long not because of the color of the skin, but because they had the power and they have the rich, they have the money. Well, and, they have they have the power because they're white. I mean, well, know, yeah, but I, mean, that's, absolutely... I, I don't want to look past the power and the richness. Of course not, that's, but that's why. I mean, power. that's, the, I'm sorry, the original sin in this country is the, the slaughter of Native Americans and sure. the enslavement of Africans and how those states, we have never, never, it's the damn purity. We have never acknowledged it, let alone atone no, for it. And that's haven't. why that's we're true. here. And I don't disagree. And I don't disagree with you. Okay, I cool. I, and then, you know, power. yeah, money and power, of course. But anyway, yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit because uh, Jennifer wrote a great piece, and it's it's something that you know we've been skirting around. And I think one of the things that has so infuriated us is that, and and this has been happening since uh, you know twenty fifteen or sixteen. Um, Republicans do something absolutely egregious and we're told by the media that it's good strategy, you know, uh, instead of calling it what it is. And uh, the piece Jennifer wrote is how to cover election deniers, question mark, try calling them election liars. Exactly. And and this is this has become even more vitally important since the results of a lot of the midterms. I mean, Jesus Christ, the collection, not the sorry, not, not the midterms. I'm I have the midterms on my brain, the primaries. We are saddled with a group of the most anti-American, crazy, craven, uh, unpatriotic liars potentially in the history of America. So, Jennifer, it's not really helpful when many in the media just seem to think that the best way to handle this this potentially unprecedented situation is to treat them like they're regular old candidates for office. Exactly. And you hear this 
narrative, well, Carrie Lake may be able to win over the mainstream republic. It's this sort of analysis, whether these completely defective venal human beings can somehow ingratiate themselves with less venal people in order to get themselves elected, rather than, first of all, Every time they're invited on a show, every time they are mentioned, they have to be denied. They have to be identified as election liars who have been perpetrating fraud on the American people and that they will do it again. And they have said out loud they would do it again. They have announced that they're not going to um, certify elections in the future in which Democrats win. That should be it. That should be disqualifying, period. Um, and I am absolutely furious. Great that Liz Cheney is going to go out and testify, uh, go out and testify, go out and campaign against these people. Where is George W. Bush? Where is Mitt Romney? Where are all these good Republicans who are supposed to have the country's, um, you know, back? Why aren't they going out to campaign against these people? Is it so difficult for them, for George Bush to get off the ranch and go over to Arizona, which is not that far away, and say, these people are crackpots. No decent Republicans should be voting for them. The fact of the matter, there aren't that many decent Republicans, so that is a problem. <laughs> um, but, you know, Part of what I look at is, you know, what's so fascinating now is Liz Cheney has finally discovered that the only way to save America is to campaign against Republicans. <laughs> Hooray! She's joined the party. Um, a state senator whose name right now is uh, is uh, escaping me in Colorado says, no way. These people are completely beyond redemption. What am I even doing here? I'm a Democrat from here on out. And right. it's really interesting that you have these two reactions, neither one of which says you should vote for a Republican, by the way. <laughs> um, you should either destroy them because you have some faint hope that destroying them will return whatever it was in the past that they still admire, which I'm not sure that what that was now. Um, or forget <laughs> it, you know, let somebody else run this crackpot party. I'm over here. So I think part of the problem is clearly that we have a media who is, no matter how many democracy coverage teams they operate and no matter how many times they pat themselves on the back for covering these things, they refuse to identify what is in front of their noses. They refuse to run a headline that says, Carrie Lake lied about X. You right. do not see that. You do not see them saying Mastriano is in bed with a social media platform that is fascist and anti-Semitic. That's right. You, don't see it. you see it on the opinion sections, maybe if you're OK. Um, and then worse, you have the rich Lowry's of the world who defend this entire system, who are still making excuses for all these people and who still propagate to the less crazy Republicans, it's okay if you want to vote for these people. I know you have to stop the socialism or whatever it is. It's right. okay. And what they are doing is rationalizing for the remaining Republicans who cannot bring themselves, as if this is some Herculean task, to vote for a someone with a D next to their name. He is basically giving them permission to vote for crooks, criminals, and traitors. And right. we should be saying that um, these people yeah. are not fit for public service, any public service. Would you let right. these people watch your plant or watch your, your pet? No, um, they're absolutely insane. And Larry Hogan, who has not exactly been a tower of virtue, um, finally said flat out, Dan Cox, who's the Republican nominee, is mentally unstable. 
Hooray. Yay. Good for Hooray. him. He finally realized it. Finally realized it. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, we exactly. We need so much. Sorry, keep keep going. I mean, we just. I, mean, I, I think we need. Um, you know, we need to start hounding the quote good Republicans, the ex Republicans, um, to start doing what at least Liz Cheney has finally figured out she has to do, which is go campaign against these lunatics. Um, I think we have to hold the media accountable, and at a time when the Washington Post is losing Margaret Sullivan, who has been a phenomenal voice of reason and accountability. And CNN has fired Brian for um, reliable sources. It, it, they are systematically sources too. Uh, and they are systematically denuding themselves of people that will hold themselves accountable. And that is mm-hmm. a huge problem. So it's going to get worse, guys. It's not going to get better. I, I, I yeah, and hang on, Brian. Well, listen, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Let's put it that way. And uh, same thing with with the espionage saga. It's going to get so much worse before it gets better. And Norm, you know, to to Jennifer's point, um, we it's not just that we need to help people understand uh, how dangerous the people these people are. We also have to help people understand what democracy is, because seriously, you know, being anti-democratic isn't just uh, being pro-insurrection. Um, and don't get me wrong, I am. I think it's great that Liz Cheney is is doing what she's doing because not long ago she said she would never vote for a Democrat. And she may not, but at least she's going to campaign against people like Ted Cruz. Like she's actively going to campaign against the pro-insurrection uh, Republicans who are still in office. But Norm, I mean, Liz Cheney voted with Donald 93% of time, which matters to this extent. A lot of what she voted for was absolutely anti-American, like the voting rights. So we need, I think Americans need a broader view of what we're talking about when we talk about protecting democracy. Like, I, you know, as far as that poll goes, I need to know what the question was, because for all I know, it was a bunch of Republicans saying, you know, it's not a democracy unless Donald is back in the Oval Office again. Well, keep in mind, Mary, first, that that poll was uh, below 20 percent who said that uh, the threat to democracy was number one. It's not like uh, half of Americans have suddenly focused on that. It's very good news, but it's not the greatest news. I think Jen's point was so well done. And I would add to it this. If you are given a slot as a columnist on The Washington Post or The New York Times, or you are given access to those pages, you are being given legitimacy. And Hugh Hewitt is another one of those examples. And then Hugh Hewitt, uh, Rich Lowry Lowry are regulars on Meet the Press and on those Sunday talk shows. And the problem here is even more insidious. It's that they are treated as totally legitimate figures when they spin for insurrectionists and a cult. And that is something that uh, mainstream news organizations, you know, CNN in its earlier incarnation kept bringing on these horrible people, paying them huge sums of money like Corey Lewandowski so that they could show balance as if it was going to do them any good. And if Chris Lick thinks that uh, bending over backwards to be quote unquote fair is going to keep Trump and the Trumpists from ripping CNN They are sadly mistaken on that front. It is a real danger. 
I, I, just two more quick points. Brian, 20 million, you're setting your sights way too low. The new standard is 1.6 billion. Yep. You need to find another billionaire who can do a tax to, uh, to give you that money. And we need to talk at some point about the danger that Leonard Leo represents with state Supreme Courts, other state courts that are elected, and uh, which is an abomination to begin with, that could make this system so much worse before it gets better. And then just one little thing to make you maybe feel a little bit better, Mary. I uh, was appalled by what uh, the deal that was cut with Alan Weisselberg, but there may be a small silver lining. If, you know, he's been told that he's going to get 12 years or more if he doesn't completely cooperate on the Trump organization. Right. If we can get the Trump organization disbanded, if possibly with the tax uh, uh, amounts that Trump should owe, they can take away Mar-a-Lago and Bedminster and his suites at Trump Tower. If he's forced to reside at the bedbug-ridden Doral uh, and uh, has his uh, ankle bracelet on there, um, that's not as bad as it could be otherwise. And maybe they can go even further on that front. I'm not... Uh, you know, uh, sanguine about all of that happening. And I want to yeah. also add, if you recall, there were a number of pieces that Adam Davidson did in The New Yorker, just incredibly powerful pieces. Where did Trump get the cash to buy these golf courses? And we know it was money from Azerbaijan and other uh, corrupt states who mm -hmm. were laundering their money through Trump yep. to buy golf courses and cash, which no real estate person would otherwise do. There are so many threads of corruption that have yet to be tied together that we may be in a, in a position where finally they, uh, there will be some justice, including economic justice, served against this horrible man. Yeah, and I, I just want to be clear that uh, what because I D Donald will not go to prison no matter what. It's it's just. I think logistically it's just not going to happen. I want him in a basement apartment in Astoria, Queens. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm gunning for. Um, but you know, Dahlia, first of all, where are our billionaires? Okay. Seriously. Can you imagine having billions of dollars to give him $1.6 billion to somebody like Leonard Leo? I mean, that's just, but also is it in terms of the New York thing? I mean, it's the judge. Not the DA. I mean, Alvin Bragg, at first I thought he was incompetent. Now I think that there's something much worse going on there, Dahlia. Um, I, I, I'm going to actually spike it to Jen Taub to answer sure, of course. the second part of your question. And mm -hmm. let me answer um, the first um, with just like one note about a through line that I've seen through this whole conversation that's maybe worth, worth pulling out because I think analytically, like it's helped me understand something today. Every single person who has spoken has essentially said, if there are no consequences, Mary, it's not that what you get is the same, it's that what you get is worse, right? So what Norm is saying is if there are no consequences for the John Eastmans and the Sidney Powells, you will get them in a courtroom arguing the independent state legislature doctrine before the Supreme Court in 2024. That's what he's saying. It's worse. And what yeah. Jennifer Rubin just said is if there are no consequences to ignoring subpoenas, then subpoenas are just toilet paper. That's where we are right now. And Jennifer Rubin also said, and this is important, if there are no consequences to putting hacks 
on television and in political office, the field will be flooded with election deniers and crackpots. That's where we are. So I think we have to get past this cognitive thing that is your point, Mary, the system held. The system, by not holding, is giving us into the vacuum something vastly worse, vastly worse than what we saw in 2020. And Mm -hmm. I just think that's the argument we have to be making, is that what we are getting is worse. And Mm -hmm. the second prong to that, I cannot do a show with you without coming back to self-help and vigilantism. But the other thing that fills in the vacuum is people making their own decisions about what is lawful. And that's why you have nonpartisan election officials hounded out of office. It's why you have teachers and doctors quitting en masse. So the system isn't holding because what should be bolstering the system has utterly failed. And in its place, we have either crackpots, two thirds of the nominees for state and federal office now are election deniers, Jennifer Rubin's point. And that is not the same. That is exponentially worse. And in addition to the crackpots, I think you have a lot of really scary people with guns who are taking it upon themselves to enforce the laws that don't exist. So that is my non-answer to your question. I'm going to let Jen uh, Taub answer on on the um, Trump investigation. But I just think we have to get our heads out of this thing where the system held because the bad thing that happened didn't happen. The bad thing that happened and had no consequence is going to be ever so much worse. And yep. if we're not prepared for that, that's what is in the vacuum. Yeah. And and I think you're right. It already is. Like worse things have happened to fill that void. Uh, and exponentially worse is, is absolutely the way things are going to go. Uh, first, Brian, you wanted to say something about espionage and then John. Well, uh, Going back to what Norm was saying, I think bottom line at the end of the day, um, you have to wonder what I'm afraid of. And as the um, information becomes more available, as more of the information becomes available, I'm really frightened with what was taken and how it was used prior to the FBI uh, executing the search warrant. And the information, while we were here today, I got a, a text from uh, a friend of mine uh, at, at the FBI who said that there will be even more coming out. Um, so that's frightening to me as to exactly how did Donald do it and what, and at the end of the day, Mary, I I'm with you. I, you know, I, I'd like to see him in a Jared property in downtown Baltimore, but at the end of the okay. day, you know, strapped to the, uh, uh, to a radiator and not being able to move while staring at himself in a mirror 24 hours a day. So he'll uh, just no mirrors, no mirrors. <laughs> But but I really, if, if this continues in the direction that it's going, that won't be enough. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that's the fear that, and and I'm really, I don't often get these types of, of texts and I don't often hear from members of the DOJ who say there's, you know, this, this portends something really horrifying and, I guess we have to sit and wait and see what it is. But to uh, earlier, I guess it was Danielle's point, got to be held accountable. This man has to be, ultimately has to pay the penalty that uh, anyone else would pay or we're screwed. Yeah, you know, intellectually, and I think all of us have been saying some version of this for a long time, there's no bottom. But I have to say that one of the things that really terrifies me is that we're going to get 
horrifying information coming out about the, what kind of materials were stolen, how they were used, and Republican leadership is just going to pretend that it's fine and, you know, say, well, you know, then we should get rid of the Espionage Act because what he did was totally cool. Like, that terrifies me. Uh, Jen, um, any last thoughts about all of this? Very, um, yeah, very let me uplifting respond to stuff. the piece of the question that Dahlia lobbed over to me. Um, <laughs> you, Mary, you asked whether <clears throat> Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, you know, what's up with him? Is this something nefarious or is, is it legit that he didn't bring um, charges against Donald? Um, and I have come to believe um, sort of the answer is neither of the above. I don't think it's nefarious. I think there is a case there. However, um, you know, these cases get tried in the press. And, the, you know, you can, uh, there can be no leakage. And I think what we're seeing here is that this documents case is the right one, as I think is Fulton County. I mean, those... I think that when you see the press around these, yeah, of course, some crazies are going to say, let's get rid of the Espionage Act, or they're going to keep harping on the magic wand that declassified. But enough people understand that the Espionage Act, as well as the obstruction statute here, the document destruction one, it doesn't matter whether they're classified or not. I mean, this is very solid. We already have the DOJ willing to get a search warrant. I just think Bragg... Um, he had the case handed to him to buy Cy Vance. Cy Vance, so didn't act. He kind of punted. Well, and I, that's what we'd, I've, come we'd around, Vance. I've come around to think yes. that it would have been a circus for a number of reasons. And it would not, um, you didn't have Alan Weisselberg willing to talk and you're not going to have any emails. And I, I don't think a jury would have convicted because as I said before, it takes a lot to convict a rich white guy. And I think the, the press around it, you know, I think a friend who said this here, maybe it was Brian or it was Jennifer. I've come around to the idea that, you know, we cannot have another Arthur Anderson where the DOJ convicted and it got overturned because it turned the DOJ into chicken shits. And yes. the first case has to be the best case. Same thing happened. Yeah. Okay. With the very, let me last point, with the financial crisis, the first case against the bankers was against these two hedge fund managers at, um, at I want to say it wasn't Deutsche Bank, it wasn't Lehman, it was Bear Stearns. Mm -hmm. And they lost that case and they never brought another one. And okay. psychology yep. inside the, and outside. So I think we're on a good path right now. Um, and we better fucking nail this guy. I would just add to that. Weisselberg is, didn't do all of this on his own. He had a staff right. of people. That's right. If he actually does testify against the Trump organization, it's going to nail some of those underlings. Mm -hmm. And those underlings as well know plenty about what Trump did and where the bodies are buried. So I'm not ruling out entirely the possibility that uh, New York, Bragg might end up back in this game, even if he doesn't want to be, right. because there may be some really significant uh, uh, shit to uh, drop uh, up there in the uh, uh, hearings and the trial that will uh, emerge. 
Yeah, and I have to say that's that I, I think that is is definitely a possibility, but it is a little bit demoralizing that we're sitting here uh speculating that uh if if indictments uh, come down, it's simply because they had no choice because there was so much damning yeah. evidence. I mean, that yeah. doesn't seem like that's the way it's supposed to work. And nope. it doesn't for anybody else, quite honestly. So um that aside, though, I, I do think that there is a lot to um, there is a lot to to be to feel positive about. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, I think uh, we are in a vastly different place now from where we were when we had our emergency uh, session about what was going down in Mar-a-Lago not even two weeks ago, although it feels like it was in the Pleistocene era. Um, so, uh, and, and it, you know, again, in the context of there's a lot that, holy shit, we're potentially screwed if we don't all pull together here. And um, I know that technically we weren't really talking about the midterms, even though they are indeed the most important election of our lifetime. Um, but all of this should help inform people if they need to be that we cannot any longer afford divided government. We need a solidly democratic government in place for a long time until this Republican party is raised to the ground and reborn as something else entirely. So uh, I want to thank all of you. I think Jennifer Rubin has, has earned Nerd Avenger, honorary Nerd Avenger status. So Jennifer is fabulous to have you. Norm Ornstein, Dahlia Lithwick, Jen Tao, Brian Karam, Waja Lee, Danielle Moody. Am I missing anybody? Somebody else left? No, I think that's it. Oh, wow. I, I, I remembered everybody. Every All of you, thank you so much for your incredible insights and for giving my heart a little workout today. <laughs> um <laughs> Because who doesn't need that? Uh, and we are going to keep an eye on this. Uh, we will see all of you next week, I hope. And Jennifer, thank you again so much for stopping by. It was brilliant. Thank you so much to my Nerd Adventures and special guest Jennifer Rubin, who has just been doing phenomenal work, uh, journalistically speaking, uh, and uh, you know, really just hammering home uh, some of the important issues we need to be focusing on. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. I know we, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the DOJ and what's happening with these uh, top secret sensitive compartmented documents because I don't know that there's anything more important, but we don't want to leave lose sight of all of the other important things are, that are going on. Um, you know, at least we got to a little bit of uh, the, the incredibly uh, terrifying um, news that, you know, all of these big lie pro-insurrection Republicans won their primaries. But if we, if we help people understand who these people are, I think that does hopefully give Democrats a leg up. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff we didn't cover, but of course we'll get back to it next week. Um, and I will be here Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific at youtube.com slash Politicon. Uh, so please join me for that. And of course, we'll be here next Tuesday at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern, 
9 a.m. Pacific, also at youtube.com slash Politicon. And while you're on Politicon's uh, YouTube page, please subscribe. It doesn't cost anything, but it's, you know, it definitely helps build our base. Um, like the episode and click on the bell uh, because that way you will um, be sure to be alerted every time a new video drops. And that's not just epi- uh, episodes. I'm also doing some shorter videos to keep up with the insanity. Uh, and uh, at one point we are we are going to uh, discuss with all of you the nerd off that seems to be going on behind the scenes over here at the Mary Trump Show Strategy Sessions. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well. Uh, don't forget, you can listen to the show in podcast form at Apple or anywhere you listen. And please do give us a five-star review because it does help other people find the show. And, uh, you know, with the kinds of guests I have and the Nerd Avengers coming every week, uh, you know, these are people whose, whose voices absolutely need to be heard. So with that, I will say thank you again. It was great to have you. And thank you for all of your excellent comments. Uh, And uh, we'll see you on Thursday. In the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.